Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. And we are in Vision Builders Month, which is a very important month for our church. So welcome if this is your first Vision Builders Month. It's an exciting time to be alive. And two of the things that we get attacked on most, and you guys, if you've been here for a while, you may have heard this, is we get attacked for being a church that talks about money and is into power. Money and power, which is interesting because those are two of the things the devil goes after. Two of the things the devil craves and uses to influence culture, we get pushback on in the church. And by the way, most of the time it's from Christians, not from the world. And so it's so confusing to me and always has been how we would get pushback for believing in the power of God. Like I got healed by the power of God. There are people that have pushed back on us and say, you know, the power of God was, was relegated to the Bible for the launching of the church, but it's no longer needed or in existence because it was just to start the church. And, and, uh, and for me, I'm like, well, you're too late because I got healed by the power of God. So you're about 17 years late on that information. But, but those same people over the course of the time I've been here, some of those same people have called our church when they need healing or when they need power. And you and I are, are, are spiritual beings created to carry power. Jesus says you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And so, but, but we get pushback for this. Right now in our Hollywood culture, there are um, uh, musicians having seances instead of concerts. They're all of a sudden, like Satan has become this iconic figure and they're making his name famous instead of the name of Jesus. And there was a guy named Sam Smith you guys might have seen and we were talking backstage and apparently this guy had some like good music before he became a Satan worshiper. Um, I didn't know of him before that. I just know of him now because he was, you know, all over social media. But I, 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 I 100% know that he's been offered power by the devil. There's no way he goes from what he was to what he is without power. The devil has power. You and I get to decide whether he gets to use it or not because we've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. But he has power. The reason Satan is being elevated is because he's offering people power because the church is backed up from power. So if we don't offer power, they're going to go find it somewhere else. And guess what? Satan would be like, here you go, I'll give you some power. Go dress up like a weirdo like me and have a seance at a concert and influence all these people. I'll make sure you get money. I'm the prince of the power of the air. He still thinks he has authority on the earth because Christians don't realize they have authority on earth. And so they're experiencing power. So it's the job of you and I to make sure that the devil doesn't get to use his power. But we are a church of power. The other thing we get pushback on is money. Is money, and, I, and again, it's, it's mostly from Christians. I, I'll never forget this story about uh, Pastor Colin Higginbottom. He lived in a very nice neighborhood like in Santa Luz before they moved to Boise. He's our Boise campus pastor, ran Pathfinders for a long time, has a flourishing business. And so he's living in a nice neighborhood, and 
you would think that everybody in that neighborhood is fairly successful to be able to buy a house in that neighborhood. And so he's in the neighborhood and his, he's friends with his neighbor. His neighbor's never been to our church, but he knows about our church. And, and his neighbor comes up to him one day, they're talking um, in the front yard or, or whatever. And he says, yeah, I was talking to this guy who, uh, and I told him about your church. He goes to another church. And as soon as I said the name of Awaken, he said, oh, you don't want to go to that church. They think that God wants you to prosper and be successful. And, uh, and this guy who didn't go to church was like, that sounds like my kind of church. What are you talking about? <laughs> like the world is okay with prosperity, but for some reason the church is like, no, 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 we're just worms. God loves you more if you're unsuccessful and begging people for money on the side of the road because you're a Christian, you can't be successful. It's so backwards. Somebody in the world can hold a, a seminar like seven keys to becoming a millionaire. And they're not even a millionaire, but they can hold the, co- the, the conference. And the place would be jam-packed. But if you had it in church, people would be like, be offended. Nah, if you're a Christian, you can't. It's like, it's so backwards. But those are the two things that we get pushed back on. And so I like Pastor Jurgen because whatever we're getting pushed back on, those are the things that we push into is, uh, are those couple of things, including a, a bunch of other stuff, but it's, it's all good. So I want to talk to you around vision builders today. I have three points for you. The first one is permission to prosper. Permission to prosper. I want to give you permission today to be successful as a Christian. I want to give you permission today to prosper. And I've been kind of thinking about the, uh, the poverty mentality or the spirit of poverty that has been so pervasive in the church over the years. And I think most of us that have grown up in like traditional church have some sense of a, a poverty mentality or have heard of or experienced a spirit of poverty in their Christian life. And I remember growing up and I never remember somebody telling me Christians need to be poor, but I remember just maybe observing it. Maybe, maybe when, they, when they talked about the tithe, they were just asking for money, but they never talked about the benefit for the people. And so why would I, why would I want to get involved in something where there's no benefit for me? Right? Does that make sense? Like, like, I'm not a Christian because there's no benefit for me. I'm a Christian not only because I'm going to heaven, but because when you become a Christian and the Spirit of God comes into your life, you have this joy and this peace and this hope and this power to live a life that is empowered, not, not that's under the thumb of, of the world. And so for whatever reason or however it happens, we've been trained with this poverty mentality in the church for so many years and even today with me this thing will creep back into my mind at times and I still got to deal with it but yet I never no one no one ever told me about it it reminded me of um uh, circus uh circus elephants (laughs) I know it's kind of weird but I'm not sure if you know how circus elephants are trained but they're, they're trained that, that when, they're, when they're little, they, they put a chain on their, on their leg and they attach it to a, a metal peg and they put it into the ground. And because they're little, they can't break away from this metal stake. And if they try, it digs into their skin and causes wounds and pain. And so they, they just decide to succumb to the chain because they realize they can't break away and they don't want to experience the pain. And so they just get trained to be chained. They get trained to be chained so that when they grow up and they're 13,000 pounds 
Now all they got to do is put a rope on their leg, attach it to a wooden stake, where if they just went like that, they would break away. But because they've been trained to be chained, they don't break away. So I think as Christians, we've been trained to be chained to this poverty mentality. And now that we're older and wiser and smarter and have the ability to break free, we still got to deal with this thing because it's been in the church for so long. The Israelites were in the wilderness for, for 40 years after being enslaved for 400 years. And even after 40 years, they couldn't break out of this mentality of slavery, and so God said, you're not ready to go into the promised land, and so they, a whole generation dies out in the wilderness because they were trained to be chained for 400 years, and even though they were free, they couldn't break free. So today I want to give you permission to break free and to prosper as Christians. There's a couple of reasons I think, I think the Bible says in John 6, 63, it says this, it says that the, the words that I speak, Jesus speaking, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And so we hear that, the, that words are spirit and his words are life, but not all words are life. And so because, because words are spirit, when they're spoken, they connect to your spirit. That's why sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me is a lie because names will hurt you because they're spirit and they get connected and attach themselves to your spirit. And so you catch stuff. That's why being in church is so good because even stuff that you don't remember, you catch sometimes in your spirit because the words that we speak are life and they are spirit. And so I think growing up, we maybe just, just, just catch stuff that's good and bad. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it or those who agree with it will eat its fruit. And so that's what it says in Proverbs 18, 21. So, so for whatever reason, there's a spirit of, of poverty in the church. So today I want to give you permission to prosper. Did you know that the Bible was written largely by rich people. King David wrote half of the Psalms and he lived in extraordinary splendor. He was a king and he came from a family, not a, he wasn't a poor shepherd boy, he came from a prominent family in Bethlehem and in Judah he was the youngest son of Jesse, a respected elder of Bethlehem and a wealthy man with significant holdings of land and of livestock, King David. King Solomon who wrote Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, lived in absolute luxury, was the richest and wisest man in the land, is said to be the second richest historical figure in history, King Solomon, to the point where when he was alive, they considered silver to be of little value and as common as rock, so nothing in his palace was silver, it was all gold. And so people reject prosperity but then they read Proverbs, who was written by the richest man in the world, so they're trying to glean wisdom, but they're rejecting the writer and his lifestyle. It doesn't make any sense. Moses, they said, was receiving about $6 million per month as an incredible leader, a deliverer, wrote the first five books of the Bible. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a tent maker, and they say he supported up to 20 people on his own entourage with his own business so that he can go and he could minister. People say, but Jesus was poor. How can somebody be poor that can create something from nothing? Jesus was, was there in the beginning, the Bible says, and created something from nothing. And when he needed something, he multiplied the fish and the loaves, or he told Peter to go get a coin out of the fish's mouth. He created something from, from nothing. 
The only reason the Bible says he became poor is so you could become rich. That's what the Bible says. And hear me, when I'm talking about rich, I'm talking about more than you need. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about um, um, selfishness or greed or whatever. I'm talking about being blessed so that you can be a blessing. We're called to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. That's why prosperity is important so that we can give, so that we can bless other people. It's not a bad thing to have blessings in your own life. Have blessings in your own life, but have enough to give. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says he has unsearchable riches. He said in Haggai that silver and gold is mine, and he's reserved it for the sons and daughters of God. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Psalm 35, 27 says, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That's written in the Old Testament. You are now sons. How much more would he want his sons and daughters to prosper over even his servants? Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, you shall remember the Lord's your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant in the earth. So he's saying, hey, I want to give you power to get wealth so we can establish the kingdom of God on earth. So if you have a purpose for your money bigger than just your pocket, God is going to give you power to go get more and more and more. So when we partner with him, he's going to give you power to be successful. Is that enough to give you permission this morning to prosper? i got to move on to the second point. The second one is atmosphere matters. Atmosphere matters. Matters. In Genesis, God didn't create anything that had to live until he created an atmosphere that could sustain life. In in the beginning, it says that he created the heavens and the earth, and then he said, let there be light. That was day one. Day two, the Bible says he created the atmosphere. He created the firmament, the Bible says. He, He separated the waters above from the waters beneath. And as you read the commentaries, it says that it created like a a canopy around the earth like with a greenhouse effect around the earth. In other words, he created an atmosphere where life could thrive. And it wasn't until day three that he started creating things that could live. Day three, Genesis 1.11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, herbs that yield seed, fruit, fruit trees that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And then he created, you know, the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. But before he created anything that could live, he created an atmosphere where life could thrive. My uncle used to teach me about atmospheres. He taught me that if you want to have a successful Christian life or get results when you pray, the first thing you got to do is take care of the atmosphere. So, for example, if I were to go into a hospital to pray for somebody, I got to first take care of the atmosphere. I got to bind some devils. I got to take care of a spirit of death, a spirit of hopelessness, spirit of depression, despair. Whatever it is that is in that hospital, I got to take care of that. I got to bind those things. I got to command those things to leave because I got to take care of the atmosphere. I'll turn on worship music because God inhabits the praises of his people. So now I've created an atmosphere in that hospital room where the power of God can flow unresisted and uncontested because that person in the hospital needs the power of God to touch their life. They don't need resistance from demonic activity. In my offices grow, uh, in my offices before I was in ministry, I would take care of the atmosphere, get there early, and I would pray. 
uh, Mike Connell tells a story about teachers that he had, he had talked to, and teachers would, would come into their classrooms, and kids would be acting out in, in behavioral issues and, and uh, you know, distracting other kids. And he said, go there early and pray, take care of the atmosphere, forbid spirits to energize kids to behave in bad ways, and release a spirit of peace in the atmosphere. And he said that over time, this classroom became like known for having a peaceful environment or a peaceful atmosphere, and kids stopped acting out. So atmospheres are, are important. I'm talking about atmospheres because when you tithe, you are addressing the atmosphere in your financial world. The Bible says in Malachi 3, 10 and 11, we all know the verse, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now, and this says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, which means before you tithe, the windows of heaven are closed. So there's not a very good atmosphere over your financial world if you're not tithing because heaven is closed over your life. But when you tithe, you're opening up an atmosphere that can sustain and grow things. So the blessing of God comes out when you begin to tithe. Tithe is your first 10%. You can't make an offering unless you tithe. Offering started at 11%. You can do the math. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts. So, you're, so when you tithe and when you, you give off, you're, you're, you're opening heaven over your life and you're not only releasing blessing, you're releasing heavenly hosts to war on your behalf. You're creating an atmosphere. You're building a canopy over your financial world where life can be sustained. If, 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 if I am a tither and I find that my finances are being attacked, I can stand on this word of God and say, God, I'm a tither. You said you will rebuke the devourer who's roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you're a tither, he can't devour you. He'll seek somebody else. He'll find somebody else. But you can pray prayers and expect results because you've dealt with the atmosphere. If you don't, it's hard to pray those prayers. <laughs> Man, got a little bit quiet now, huh? It was all fun at the beginning. It was all fun at the beginning. 2 Corinthians 9 says that, that God multiplies the seed that you have sown. Not the seed that you've committed to sow, but the seed that you have sown. And so when you sow seed, this is talking about above your tithes now. This is talking about vision builders. When you, when you sow your seed, there's a multiplication that happens. God multiplies the seed that you sow, so now you can reap more than you've sown. It's kind of like, I view it as like a, um, like a shotgun. A shotgun is one shell with like 15 pellets inside one shell. So while it's in the gun, while it's in the shotgun, it's one bullet. But when you shoot it, when you release it, when you sew it, it spreads out and becomes 15 or 16 pellets. That to me is like sowing seed in the kingdom of God because it starts out as one, but as you release it, as you sow it, it multiplies. So now you can receive more than you've sown. How does it work? I don't know. It's the kingdom. Someday we'll be up in heaven going, okay, that's how it all works. 
That's how it all works. So, so environments are important. Atmospheres are important. And you have control over the atmosphere of your financial world. Last one. There's a cry. And the worship team can come. There's a cry. The title of my message this morning is There's a Cry. There's a Cry. I don't know if you know what Palm Sunday is, but Palm Sunday is the Sunday before the crucifixion and resurrection. Palm Sunday was, was Jesus fulfilling the prophetic word in Zechariah 9 that he would come into a triumphal entry. And a lot of the Jews didn't recognize it because a triumphal entry doesn't sound like Jesus coming in on a donkey. A triumphal entry sounds like Jesus coming in on like Trump Force One or something and landing in Jerusalem and, you know, lights and cameras and action. But this is his triumphal entry, and he's coming in on a, on a colt or on a donkey, and he's walking up to Jerusalem. And Palm Sunday, all the people would come, and they would lay their clothes down, and they were laying palm branches down because that was a way that the subjects of kings would pay homage to their king. They would lay down a carpet for him to walk on. And so Jesus is coming in on a donkey. It's interesting because the donkey was never been used before, never been ridden before. And they would use things that were, uh, the things that they would use for sacred, um, sacred things that would have never been used before by anything else. Sorry, I got that out very, very badly. But basically, what they would use for sacred things couldn't be used for anything else, okay? So he's a, he's a donkey that never been ridden before. So it's interesting that Jesus was born of a virgin made his triumphal entry on a virgin donkey and was buried and raised from a virgin tomb. Everything Jesus did was sacred. Everything Jesus did was innocent. That's why the devil wars against innocence. He wars against sacred. He's trying to sexualize sacred because Jesus represents sacred. Everything he did was, was sacred. So Jesus is coming in his triumphal entry and the Bible says in Matthew 21, 8 and 9, it says, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who, were, who went before and those who followed cried out. Say cried out. There was a cry. Those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to God, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And the word Hosanna literally means save now. Save now. It's literally not just an acclamation or, or, or an adoration of Jesus. It's a, it's a cry from an oppressed people to a Savior for deliverance. They're saying, save me now. Now Hosanna has become not just that, but a shout of praise. But it literally meant save me now, and in context, it's these oppressed people wanting deliverance because there, there was a cry. There was a cry. Today, people are crying out maybe more than ever saying, save me. They're so confused on identity and purpose in life. They don't know which way is up, and there's a cry. We've never heard cries like this before in our, in our cities. 
The problem is the world is getting there first. And they're providing answers, but they're wrong answers. They're answers that are training them to be chained for the rest of their life. They're wrapping chains around their prison cells with these answers that are leading to death. Literally leading to death. Doing things like gender affirmation. Just because a little boy wants to become a girl and a girl wants to become a boy, they're, they're saying you have to affirm this. These are behaviors that used to be treated by psychologists and medicine. Now we have to affirm or we're mean or uninformed or old school because we believe in a man and a woman. So we're having to affirm these, these kids and all they're doing is crying out. <clears throat> these poor kids are crying out, I, I need male attention and that is healthy, I need to fit in. And the devil is providing an answer that seems right, it seems nice, it seems loving, but it's training them to be chained. And they're crying out, save me! Save me. We have professors with more degrees than a thermometer from the greatest universities in the world who can't tell us what a woman is. And they're indoctrinating our kids and our kids are saying, save me, I'm so confused. In Ottawa, Canada, just this week, all teachers now have to address every child as they and them or they get fired. Canada's usually just a little picture of what's coming in America. The truth is so offensive now that everyone just gets to have their own truth. Two plus two isn't four unless you think it is. So whatever you think it is, whatever your truth is, is, is true because we don't want to offend you. We'd rather affirm you to hell than offend you with the truth. Abortion is legal. Drugs are legal. Save me. These people are just looking for a savior. Politicians are trying to play God and determine who gets to live and who should die. This is why Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Because if we're not making disciples, the devil's going to make disciples. If we're not making disciples, we're just allowing dysfunction to happen because we're scared to offend somebody. But if we were to really go into all the world, if we were to really go and take over and invade every sphere of culture with the gospel, it's almost like most of the laws wouldn't even matter. Just because abortion is legal doesn't mean girls have to get one. Just because doctors are allowed to mutilate children doesn't mean children have to be mutilated. Just because public education is indoctrinating our next generation doesn't mean our kids have to attend. We have Awaken Academy. We have homeschool options. We have private school options. Just because big corporations are trying to drive these agendas down our throat doesn't mean we have to spend money there. Come on, Target's lost over $15 billion. 
we have a say in what happens, but here's the thing, there's a race in the world right now between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrines of devils. And the Bible says if you're gonna run a race, run to win. At Awaken Church, we're doing this thing to win. We're not doing this thing to back up or to lose ground. We're trying to win. We're trying to win. There's people crying out, save us, save me. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We got to be relentless. So Jesus comes in this triumphal entry, Luke 11, 39 to 44, and it says, and some of the Pharisees called to Jesus from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He wants them to be rebuked because they're calling out Hosanna, the Messiah, the King is here. It's so interesting that the religious people are trying to shut up the church. Did you know most of our opposition is from other churches? We should be uniting together. But just like in the Bible, tell your people to be quiet. Don't say the truth. Don't say what's in here. You're going to offend somebody. But he answered them and said, I tell you that even if they should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So even if we weren't saying anything, and the stones would be crying out, save us. Save our city, save these people. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. As he drew near to Jerusalem, he wept over it. Man, I don't want him to weep over San Diego. He said, if you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surround you and close you in on every side. My God, this is happening. One of the scariest scriptures in the Bible is in Romans where it says, God will eventually give you over to your desires. Like there's a race. We gotta get the God before they get it surrounded, chained into the prison cells to such a point where God gives them over to what they desire. And it's going to level you and your children with you. If we don't do something, I'm scared to see what's going to happen in the next generation. The next 20 years, what's going to happen? What's our world going to be like? But we have a say. We have a say. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. I believe God is coming into San Diego and he's looking and he's wanting to know, do we realize it is the time of his visitation? Do we realize there's a race in the world between the demons and the gospel? Are we willing to step out? We cannot stop planting campuses in San Diego County. 16 campuses won't even touch the three and a half million people here. We need all the churches, but we're not stopping until we get 16. We can't stop planning academies because we need to teach our children the ways of God. We can't stop preaching the gospel in word and in power. We can't stop empowering Christians to prosper and make money so that we can build the kingdom of God. That's what Vision Builders is about. There's a cry. And I want to be a part of the answer and the solution. And I want you to join us. Let's close our eyes. Why don't we all stand up?
close our eyes. I want to pray for people this morning. If you're here and you've never invited Jesus into your life, he is the answer. He is the answer. He's the one that created you out of nothing and gave you a plan and a purpose in your life. Today, I want you to meet him if you don't know him. And all you got to do, the Bible says, is ask him into your heart. Believe that he's real. Believe that he's Jesus. Believe that he got raised from the dead and he'll come in. So I want to ask, ask you, have you ever invited Jesus into your life? And maybe you're here and you have at one point, but then you've taken your life back. But today you're saying, I want to rededicate myself to him. So if you're one of those two people with every eye closed, just lift up your hand really quickly and I want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that in here saying, man, I want a fresh start or... You know what, I want to meet Jesus for the first time. Is there anybody like that here today? Is there anybody here? I want to pray for you. Is there just one person? Let's not leave the same way we came in. Yeah? Thank you. God bless you. Proud of you, buddy. Thank you. Amen. I want to pray a prayer. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, maybe you wanted to raise your hand. But I wanna pray a prayer, I want everybody in the building to pray this prayer and just say these words and Jesus is gonna come into your life. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to come, in, to come into the world and die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I invite you into my life and I acknowledge that you are the Son of God, that God raised you from the dead Today I am saved. Heaven is my home, and God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we clap for a couple of people out there that gave their life? Now I just want to pray for you corporately, and I'm going to have the, the ministry team come up here in a minute. And I want you, maybe you're struggling with poverty mentality or you don't think you're meant to prosper or you don't think because of your experience or failures or whatever you need something broken off your life I want you to come forward and get prayer or maybe you need help taking care of your atmosphere maybe some of you just need to tithe and unleash heavenly hosts on your behalf and maybe you're here and you want to be a part of the solution and you just need wisdom on how to do it so I'm gonna I'm gonna invite our ministry team up can we close those doors I'm sorry can we close those doors So why don't you just lift your hands and I just want to pray and then we'll invite the ministry team up. Maybe the team can sing a song. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, maybe you need healing in your body, come forward. Power of God's here. But let me just pray. Father, I thank you this morning. God, that we are a church willing to answer the cry. Father, we know and we recognize the world is seemingly in a mess. We also recognize that the media is taking advantage of people and making it look worse than it is. And so, Father, we, we take responsibility today to be the answer, to bring the answer, to bring solutions to our city, to our culture. And that answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That answer is the truth that you wrote in the Bible. So, Father, I pray you would empower us, give us boldness and faith this morning to bring solutions, to stand up for what is right. 
Lord, give us power to deliver those people that are crying out. Save me. Save me now. In the name of Jesus, we speak to that perverted spirit that is trying to creep into San Diego. And we declare this city is, belongs to Jesus Christ. I cancel your assignment against our city, against our people, against our youth, against our church, in the name of Jesus. And we declare your agenda broken and canceled in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you are raising up kids. You are raising up young adults, high schoolers, adults that know the truth and that will speak the truth in this day and in this hour. And Father, I thank you that you've called people to awaken, to partner with us, to plant churches, to plant educational facilities, to help those in need that are crying out for a savior. So Lord, empower us today. And I release the spirit of prosperity and I bind that spirit of poverty in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that this service, that these people, Lord, let it be marked by miracles. Let our businesses explode, Father. Bring relationships into our life, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we can all do something. And God, if we all do something, you can do anything. So, Father, we thank you for this year's vision builders. We thank you for those that are considering and praying about it. Father, I pray you would speak to them very, very clearly this year. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.